1: Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening.
2: All right. Well, I guess since I'm talking, I'll, I'll moderate. You might as well. On a rare occasion when I moderate. Um, okay. This is a panel on uh, viruses, fungi, and zombies, historical and fictional plays, how they affect civilization small time. So let's, uh, let's start, I think, with... Uh, Go down the table and introduce ourselves,
3: and let's start at the far
2: end. Bruce, naturally, <laughs> yeah, of course. Hi, folks. I'm Bruce. While I'm the resident
3: zombie, because um, I, 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 I feel that way this morning. Um, no particular reason why I'm on this panel, just that they I think they wanted a fourth person to sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> and we should, you know, I'm one of those lucky people who can actually pretty much talk about anything. that almost makes sense. <laughs> um, but you know, we would yeah. I'd like to welcome you to a panel about the mo- probably the most overworked trope That's in science nice. fiction <laughs> fantasy today. It's the zombie apocalypse. it's uh-huh.
0: yeah. oh, so my, my name is Wolf Forrest. I'm a local writer and artist, and I think my interest in fungi, and zombies, and viruses started when I read. Right? a story by a 19th century horror fan called William Hope Hodgson, very underrated. And he wrote a story called A Voice in the Mist, which is about a derelict boat that becomes encrusted with this fungi-like material and all the people in the boat succumb to it. It was actually made by a Japanese company in 1963 called Matango, Attack of the Mushroom People. <laughs> and it's just an amazing story. and It's an amazing film, too. The costumes go online and look it up, and there's people walking around like giant toe stools. Literally <laughs> giant toadstools. It's that's incredible. Of, it's just because you're a fun guy to be with. A fun guy,
4: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm Jill I'm Jill
5: uh, I write <clears throat> dark fantasy horror. Um, and I just, <clears throat> I love the science of it. I have, I watch all the documentaries, I've done a lot of reading, um, I love the books. Best one out there if you've not read it Hollow Kingdom by Kira Jane Buxton. It is the zombie apocalypse as told by a pet crow. Did you say <laughs> hollow? Hollow Kingdom. Yeah, and it is, uh, it looks at how the loss of humanity affects the, <coughs> the domesticated animals, the feral animals, and the wild animals. It's so good.
2: From the point of view of a domesticated crow, crow. Mm-hmm. It's just wonderful.
1: I'm sorry, what was the name?
5: Hollow Kingdom. Kira Jane Buxton is the author. But yeah, I, I <clears throat> zombie novels are going really interesting
2: places. So it's fun. Well, it's gotta go someplace. <laughs> <laughs> like like Bruce said, otherwise it gets really uh really overdone. So I'm Ross Lambert. I um, actually have written a, a trilogy based on genetics and, and, uh, and biology that involves, <clears throat> and of course I left all the books in the room, um, five naturally mutated viruses who infect everybody in the world and then what happens with them. And one of the things that was a real motivator to me when I started this series was I did not, did not, did not want to do yet again the mad scientist story, who, who creates this uh, whatever and flicks it on the world because they're getting revenge on, on something. I'm so tired of that. So I, I, that's why I made the, the virus is naturally mutating and naturally become naturally infectious. So that we uh, take a different angle on it instead. So so and so, why do you all think? that we have such this fascination or fear with viruses, fungi, bacteria, archaea, and then
5: Uh, take that
2: into uh, the zombies and various other There's a really
5: interesting book um, (coughs) called uh, Rabid. It's The Social and Cultural History of Rabies. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they talked about when they were building the channel in Mm -hmm. Europe was that the biggest fear of people in Britain is that rabid animals would come over and would would infect local animals which would then start killing people. It was like what? <laughs> what have you been smoking and will you share?
3: <laughs> it's just
5: it's such a a strange fear that I think that's the thing is that we know we can't defeat viruses, and if if rabies could ever become aerosolized, mm. we're dead.
3: Yeah, yeah. Really, that's a, that's kind of the whole point is that with viruses and the fungi I don't like that, it. it's something we cannot normally see, and the the fact that it's something we cannot control can control us is a primal fear. Uh, the fact that we actually lose control of ourselves permanently, temporarily, whatever, is something that is pretty much inevitable to all
6: of us.
0: I don't know if any of you have seen this t-shirt online. It's real popular right now. I think it's without many years ago, but it's kind of gotten a resurgence. I'm not sure why. That's a picture of a really crazy looking rat and it says black death, world tour, <laughs> <laughs> 1347. And you think about it, you, know, you, you realize how much plagues have changed history. Yeah? You think about, what was it, a quarter of the European population died during that time? And even uh, Sir Thomas More's 1516 book, Utopia, which is where we think of the perfect society, the perfect world. It's based on the fact that a bunch of rich people have moved to an island to get away from a plague that's spreading across Europe, and it's the perfect society, but everyone has to conform to the same, same sort of dress and mode and behavior, and uh, as we all know, a utopia is impossible, but uh, the utopia, dystopia, discord is really two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Ironically, Depending on which side you're on. Ironically,
2: the word utopia actually means no. Place. Well, it's actually, good place. I, I was going to talk with
0: him. I have a panel to note on surveillance and science fiction, and the whole thing about people being able to watch and observe and manipulate other people's behavior comes from the fact that the word utopia comes from two Greek prefixes, ou and eu, which means either good place or no place. place. Yeah, and I say that yes. they're the two sides of the same coin. Yeah, utopias, no place.
7: Without humans, it could happen. <laughs> <laughs> Kill everyone now. (laughs) Although
2: that, you know, were that to happen, as certain environmental groups want to have happen, uh, you know, it really wouldn't be such a a great place for the remaining animals because, of course, nature is red in tooth and claw, and, you know, all the prey animals, they're not going to think it's such a great place when something's chasing them down to eat them. So speaking of eating, Yeah, well, perfect, uh, perfect segue then into you know this business of zombies eating brains. Why? Why brains? Why not livers or kidneys or muscles? It's again,
5: it's you know the humans traditionally look at ourselves as we are above everything else because of our intelligence, and so there's that visceral fear of if. You know, they, yeah, they're going to kill us, but they're going to eat our brains. Mm -hmm. And I know that um, a number of religions, um, the integrity of the body is really important after your death. And, you know, you don't want to essentially come back as a zombie because... Your brains are missing. They're no longer part of your body. So I, think, I think that is what I've always taken. That's why. What do you think,
0: Forrest? Well, I have a zombie cartoon in your program book. It's on page 23, so when you get a chance, you take it out of <laughs> How enamored I am of, of living and walking dead.
2: <laughs> so that being the case, why... Why do
0: uh, zombies want to eat brains and not other parts of the body? Well, the brain is uh, mostly fat, so it's obviously an energy source to keep them going. Because, okay. yeah. you know, we, we, the, the stereotype of zombies was that they were slow. And now we've got zombies that run at uh, Olympic yeah. speed, so yeah. it's <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the first amphibious zombie movie I ever saw was a 1957 film called Zombies of Okay. To check it out. It's not bad. That's actually zombies that are protecting a sunken treasure, and they can swim. But they—they they say they're amphibious, so they can walk around on land too. And then there's that. Uh, what is that Nazi film that came out in 1977 about amphibious zombies? Shockwave. Shockwave. Something like that. God, I can't remember now. Anyway, that's the second amphibious zombie movie I ever saw That but That's pretty cool. Now we get flying zombies. <laughs> so they're really in business. And, and everywhere they can be. They, they, no place to hide. <laughs> yeah.
2: The birds and zombies. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, the Jim Butcher,
5: Full Moon? He has a zombie Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's the wonderful, like, zombies don't the corner
3: them <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of things is, is into the um, historical aspects. I mean, we, we just in we're still kind of halfway in the midst of a pandemic now. When you look at the historical aspects, how many ever heard of the Great Flu Pandemic of nineteen yeah. eighteen? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. for those who are probably not that familiar with it, uh, right after World War One, during. Yeah, a little bit of during, but uh, and a lot of people had the speculations it's because they all the bombing and digging in Europe released you know pathogens into our systems and buried for you know, millennia and suddenly it came back and hit us hard. That's um, one of the theories, at least, that's been running through. Um, I mean, and you see patterns of behavior. Um, mirroring today what we did back then. Yes. Oh, this isn't anything serious. No, I'm not going to wear a mask. No, I'm not going to get a vaccine. No, I'm yeah, I'm not going to isolate. Uh, I'm going to carry on with my life just the way I want to okay. Did we not learn? The answer is, of course, no. We did not learn. Um, now, I will be honest. i have been one of those semi-vax individuals only because I don't really believe that you know that a vaccine does not prevent you from getting disease. Vaccines are supposed to prevent you from getting disease. This one doesn't. Okay. Having two shots and two cases of COVID myself, uh, I can attest to that. Um, but the rehashing of history is a lot of it uh there was a couple of uh, decent books uh anybody familiar with penny elrod's uh vampire series P and elrod yes penny came up with a series about a vampire detective um the interesting thing is it he was a doughboy world war one oh. and this all happens just prior to World War II. Um, and it was really interesting having, going back into the history and talking about that kind of situation. Uh, where I'm going with this, I'm really not sure. Which <laughs> 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 is what I'll do frequently um, any But rehashing of the history, is, is, is kind of, you know, how much more do we have to do before we actually start giving across? <laughs> <laughs> Who here
5: has seen the uh, the no the um, like magazine articles or little blurbs about you know oh perm, they're finding new viruses in the permafrost of Russia? Yes. And, um, you oh know I've yes. seen that movie. It does not go well. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I,
7: was, I was just thinking because I made a note here. Jonathan Mayberry's V. that's how that happened Mm -hmm. they went there dig something up they didn't want to and um the people were infected like they had this like they were uh, vampires in a way but they were really fast and they could come out in the daytime and you know yeah i thought that was really pretty cool
5: and viruses can live a long time Uh, my background is all in uh, archaeology and physical anthropology and we had to get Vaccinated for tuberculosis, and if we could get it, smallpox. Yeah. Because mm. if you run into human remains and they died of that, yeah. you're going to contract. You could, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, worse
6: than that. People don't realize the United States, Great Britain, and Russia tried to weaponize smallpox. Oh yes. And the United States and Britain stopped. Russia did not. And they have a repository of smallpox virus in mm-hmm. a place called Coltsovo. Yep. Yeah. And it's weaponized. And one one zero is all it takes of smallpox.
5: Yeah. Well, and if somebody's goofing around, and um, you run into it a lot of times where they'll move cemeteries, mm-hmm. uh, they run into downtown here, mm-hmm. where they moved a cemetery, and when they went in, they figured they might find... Um, you know, a couple of bodies that didn't get moved, and they found fourteen hundred eight. That <gasps> they moved the tombstones, <laughs> they just like, didn't move the people. Oh, so and they were buried in, you know, um, between seventeen hundred and like about eighteen sixty in that particular cemetery. There could have been smallpox deaths there, and you know, that's you run the risk.
6: Well, vaccination's only good for 15 years. So all of us that got vaccinated 40 years ago was stuck. Yeah, I got vaccinated. We're good. My dad was in the military. Yeah, yep. I didn't. I think I still have the sky. Yeah, I did all of us
2: too. was yeah. talking about too is
3: um, <laughs> over by Sentinel Peak, uh, A Mountain, because we would recognize the name. There was an archaeological dig on the west side um because they you know, rather historic area they're digging up the areas and suddenly Choya High school and people who lived in that area had a humongous bloom of tuberculosis <laughs> <laughs> and we're only talking ten years ago guys yeah um, it's it, yeah go, Google it there's you know, there's a lot of documentation on it see the problem is is that That area was used as a waste depository for the Tucson Sanitarium. Better known as Tucson Medical Center. Mm -hmm. Tucson Sanitarium was a tuberculosis hospital. In fact, uh, Richard Nixon's (laughs) brother had been hospitalized there when he had TB. Um, And you know, you have medical waste. You've got to do something with it. You can't just burn it because that just puts it in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, there are places in Scotland that are no dig zones because they're burial mounds from the plague. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. There are, you know, so this stuff is just creepy. Yeah, the biggest fear I have is someone's going to wind up unearthing something absolutely horrible, and we're going to be in a bad shape because we haven't worked in this
0: pandemic yet either. Well, <laughs> nobody heard of Ebola Yeah, you know, 30 years ago when you start yeah. uh, cutting down rainforest and going into areas where uh-huh. humans, I know it may be endemic in primates and other species, it may be not fatal to them, but once you, know, you do a zoogenesis and it transfers to the human population, you've got real issues because there's no precedent for this. The bubonic
5: plague is endemic in much of the Pacific Northwest, and I think it's starting to come down into... Yeah, and in New Mexico.
0: Yeah, yeah. New good. Mexico. The deer mice it. A good friend of mine
3: actually contracted her about 20-some-odd years ago, and she not gone to an SCA event in
6: uh, New Mexico, and had by a flea. She's incredibly tasty to fleas for some sort of <laughs> I was stationed in Dugway, Utah, a Chemical Biowarfare Test Center, and there were test grids anthrax spores, anything that went in their state, Nothing
5: came
8: out of this I think Jim had a... To... Wuhan Labs in China has a variant of COVID that has a transmission rate that's 10 times that of COVID-19 yeah. with a mortality rate of 60%. This is Stephen King's the stand. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it exists. I'm sure and we have to we trust them not to make a mistake. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
6: So well, the form yes. of smallpox is 95% fatal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: Well, pneumonic plague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, that particular morph is yeah.
6: So, of course, I use that in one of my books to create this. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. Weaponized yeah. syphilis. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. Syphilis is, is showing you know, up. Yeah, it, it's school. not
9: <laughs> currently. It's, it's <laughs> like <laughs> through it And uh, the worst. See, your it syphilis.
5: There's, um, I just for a study, there is a village in South America, in Peru, I think, because everything cool comes out of Peru. Um, but where rabies has, apparently, there's like a mutated version that doesn't kill, and so mm. half the population of the village has survived rabies. They have the antibodies for it, mm. but they were never vaccinated, they were never ill. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
9: I have a question. Uh given all this talk about pathogens. what do you guys what's what your guys' thoughts in terms of like it actually how is there any way in reality, for real, something like zombie apocalypse or anything like it could really happen? What are your thoughts? There's
2: so many biological problems, if you will, with a, a revenant, basically. A dead body that is mobile and is, is able to, to move around. Where does it get its energy source? If it's... Grants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> More but if, if its physiology uh, has stopped and been stopped for some period of time, and the body starts to break down very quickly after death. So, how do you get a functional body after some period? Rabies If you
5: have saying. yeah, I was thinking um again, one of the cool things about rabies <clears throat> is um Hydrophobia.
2: Yeah, you're sounding like
5: Sean. Sorry, I just... It's such a cool topic. Uh, People, and there's a video, and I I could only watch about five seconds of I had to turn it off, of somebody trying to drink water and they couldn't drink water because they couldn't... There's something... There's some mechanism in the virus that makes you desperately thirsty and unable to drink. And it is so that's the closest I've seen to something that affects human um, that is an involuntary thing um, I mean there's a lot of like the prion diseases can make you go crazy but it tends to be a self-destructive crazy rather than you know rabies where you're driven to attack and um, that's one of the closest things I can think like you said I mean I can see something that could affect living people, you know, and make you go crazy. And if it was super transmissible, you know, there's a lot of people very close together. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of the international travel. It would be so easy to spread yes. if you've got something, especially if it spreads by aerosol. Okay. Um,
7: so it's I in think... 2020 80% 80%. example. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think there's
5: certainly... Um, potential for it, but there's also a lot of guns available, you know, and putting somebody down that had something like that is certainly doable, but yeah, it's, it's a matter of it would have to spread too fast for any kind of mobilization against it. So I think that's that's kind of the only way. Yeah, that, w- that was basically
2: the thesis of my series of books, is by the time we discover that there's a problem, everybody's already infected because uh, the, the initial four of the five viruses didn't produce any... Shannon McGuire's mm. yeah.
5: um, Feed series, which is excellent if you've not read it. It's uh, the news flesh. Um, is that anything over 80 pounds will end up becoming a zombie after they're dead and she kind of had waved away the 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 dead (laughs) and alive (laughs) thing but um but yeah there is a zombie (laughs) moose in one of her books (laughs) that is something to see (laughs) did you
6: see the zombie moose
5: yes anything over 80 pounds (laughs) i know
9: So, a, a bowl, theater, so let's say theater, it doesn't character have character. necessarily their mm-hmm. technically zombie, in which they're dead dead, but maybe like they're kind of sort of like semi brain dead, where they're no longer you know the thinking. The about. ants. What? Yeah. That was actually covered in uh, the Life Heights Rising series by John
3: Ringo, uh, where oh. the, somebody, yeah, some nutcase, decides to weaponize uh, a rabies vaccine. Or a rabies strain, with you know, by like crossing it with a flu strain, mm-hmm. making it incredibly virulent. And it's spread through aerosol spritzers in airports, mm-hmm. you know, where you have people like walking, walking in John, getting dosed, and two hours later, it has eaten their brain away. That's the only thing that's destroyed in their upper consciousness but the rest of the body is functioning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was shown that that is feasible. Possible, I don't know, at least feasible, um, that this is entirely a strong possibility that this may happen naturally or not. Uh, And it is scary, In fact that, you know, again, that's a whole lack of control and fear. Well, the
1: thing is, with them digging, you know, going back to Antarctica, we don't know what type of viruses. we don't know if it ever encountered humans, if we encounter a virus that is symbiotic, where it Mm -hmm. won't kill off its host, but live within its host, and still, you know, I mean, that's going way off the ground, you know, of possibilities.
2: It it really comes down to whether the virus is the surface proteins that actually connect to, right, if, the human proteins, connect exactly. to a, a receptor on human cell, right. if, if they can, but even then, if, as you were saying, if the, uh, the virus is able to get into the human cell and, and replicate, that doesn't necessarily mean it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It may just live there, I and mean, then our, our genes already have lots of viral gen, um, genetic material Well, the thing in is, the Antarctica's
1: longer. been under ice for four, over four million years. Exactly. We don't know what's underneath there. You know, we don't know at that time, I think it's been longer, I think maybe 30 years.
2: Maybe. I, I don't know about Antarctica, but certainly the, the Ar- Arctic, you know, northern Canada, Alaska, right. Russia, that area. That's where, you know, there's a lot of, of archaeological research going on, and, and the permafrost yeah. is, is melting, and so... Well, well the Russians you know, went there?
1: to Lake Vlasic and started digging, yeah. drilling down there, yeah. and that's, you know, that's the whole thing. You know, you mess with something not knowing what's there, but that's a chance you take when you do archaeological research yeah. also.
2: Yeah, we, we do that. Maybe well,
1: yeah.
5: and I <laughs> just want to a study on, uh, I think it was the hawk moth caterpillar, where if you touch them, they their pears are toxic and it causes um, your cells to explode. It's very painful. Ooh. And so scientists were like, we don't, we've never seen anything do this. And what they found is that a couple million years ago, a hawk, a Precursor to the Hawk Moth Cat Hawkmoth got infected by a bacteria. And that's one of the things bacteria do. Yeah. And it just made a home there and it's been passed along. And that's why mm-hmm. is because of this bacterial DNA that got mixed in. And that's how you get superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta
8: we've gotta push away that. <laughs> well, I spent three years of my life here, salmon the raw so I've seen some of this. been—you've also been, also been in, say, it is? USAMR, US Army Medical Research Institute for Infectious Diseases. In so I've, <laughs> I, yep, <laughs> I, I've been in a room for this U.S. supplier of softball boxes. Um, so a couple of things about viruses, um, you know, they're not aligned in the traditional sites that have no metabolism. Um, some of the first, first research involved tobacco mosaic virus, I think it crystallized out and basically still infect with it. So, But viruses come, you know, in some ways, it's like there's smart and there's dumb viruses. And so a smart virus is measles. I walk in this room with measles. The room is completely empty, and it was three days beforehand. And I sneeze, and I walk out. We're all in here today, and some of us contract measles because it's a very durable, very smart disease. It has a high morbidity rate, a very low mortality rate. Because of course if I infect you and you probably die, then you're not making more copies of me to spread around, which is not which is counterproductive to my sole existence, which basically make more copies of me to you spread around. Yeah. Um you know, Ebola on the other hand is a dumb virus, it's very fragile, it has no shell capsules than a naked virus, the field virus, and it has a high mortality rate, so it doesn't it burns out fast. So they basically, that's where they about walling off someplace or basically a cordon sanitaire. They basically keep knocking in and out and they, wait a few, and they wait like a month and then it's gone because it just burns itself up. It doesn't spread very far because it's very fragile. Mm. Um, you know, with rabies affecting the CNS and one of the consequences is painful swallowing, which is where they talk about the fear of water and the neurological damage causes aggression. So that's where you get the, the angry, rabid dog attacking things. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's when you start mixing things like, what was The Last of Us, off the, everyone likes to see the zombie ant thing, you know, mm-hmm. or the, um, the uh, nematode, the worm that infects crickets, sometimes you step on a cricket, you go along like worm crawl but it basically makes the cricket grow thirsty and it throw itself in the water and the worm escapes, um, you know, pushing it into people, that's, that's a reach, um, just because there's so much more going on as opposed to some of the more, uh, animals with simpler nervous systems that are easy to hijack for just one purpose, right? Climb as far up in the sky as you can get, then bite down the main vein of a leaf, and then die. And I basically the fruity body turns up because I want to spread my spores. And of course high up in the air is the best option for spreading spores. I want as much breeze to spread the spores around. And when you're lucky, the leaf will fall off and you know the, the worker ants will recognize me as being dead and haul me off and maybe spread a few more around. Um, uh, there's some talk about the uh, it's not it's um, the viral infection that cats that rats get to give the cats um, oh it's um this is there you go and yeah. there's some concerns about that and a lot of people like it. it makes 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 rats more daring less likely to flee from our predator and, you know so um you know i think it's just all a fear of losing loss of self-identity Loss of self sort of fuels the whole zombie thing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just, you know, it eats your brain, but where's the seed of yourself? Mm-hmm. It's in the brain. If we were all like ancient Egyptians and we believed that the heart or liver was the seed of the soul, then zombies would be eating hearts or, mm-hmm. or our livers, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, a, a loss of control and a loss of self. Um, but,
0: uh, uh, you were talking about the you know, possession of certain animals by spores or fungi. Uh, has anyone heard of cordyceps? Yes, that's that yeah. yeah, I know it's a it's a it's a prized not, not I don't know health food but it's it's very expensive and there's a lot of it that's endemic to places like Nepal and the locals eat it because they believe in its its properties but it's basically a parasitic fungi that attacks ants and turns the ants into zombies. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it, but it's fascinating. It has applications for humans that are at least considered beneficial. Right. So.
8: Yeah. yeah, it basically, yeah, it basically right. just hijacks their program reaction to do something different. You know, there are also some some uh, parasitic wasps that mm-hmm. right, right. can do the same thing, right? The yes. yeah. larvae secrete some chemicals that, the evolution mm-hmm. and all that's probably, I don't know what the evolution and that's probably, but oh, really the whole idea
0: is to occupy every possible niche and right. some organism will find a way to do that. Right, yeah, yeah. Success mm-hmm. for
8: species versus success for an individual. Yeah. Species success is, Take up all, the, all the possible space that we can, and individual success is last as long as you can. Right. Now, uh, was, all right there. there was also another,
3: yeah, uh, someone of promised that we're digging into the permafrost and such. We're finding viruses and such that maybe infect dinosaurs.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, what danger is that to us? We're not the same genome. Right. Yeah. Okay. But, what happens if we destroy the entire lizard population of the world? Exactly. The, you know, it may not affect us directly, but the indirect is going to be minor. I mean, something to consider is that, you know, we don't know what we're getting ourselves into.
8: Like, usual.
3: <laughs>
8: it's exposure risk, right? The more you the more you bump into, because there's natural variation. So there's the virus, and there's a whole stream of it because some mutation always occurs. Just like no one disease, mankind did survive the Black Plague because not everybody was susceptible, right? TB is not deadly to everybody. Some people basically involve Miller-ATV and it off. But if your immune system goes crazy from TB, then all those macrophages and cause in your lungs kill off huge chunks of your lungs you and hack up chunks of your lungs of blood. If your immune system reaction is very blunted then you don't have that kind of reaction it's the same thing with acne some people get horrible acne because your immune system goes crazy and you (coughs) have huge critters that's caused by your immune system and other people don't but um uh, it's it's more of the odds right um ebola uh is a classic or uh the loss of virus is you know it was endemic in an animal population and it can cross over to people and it might be like an infected once kind of deal and not go very far. Um, we talk about the plague and if you go to Bobonicon, we've got the, the rat but also his girlfriend mm-hmm. for Hantavirus, right? It's, it's, a, it's an optimistic disease, it's, we call it zoonosis. Um, and the concern, of course, is the zoonosis, just that one off strain by like the successfully in people and then you've got a new disease. So when we look with, with, with animals, and a classic for people to deal with small small human primates, particularly I mean, green monkeys, which spend a lot of the labs, is the monkey E virus, right? Which is a venereal is a, is a disease in monkeys, but it's fatal in people, and we're always kind of concerned that's to be is, And occasionally animal handlers get it. The monkey bee virus you have to take a cycle for the rest of your life, or you'll basically die from it, and you'll pass it on to everybody else because you're transmitted sexually. But it's, um, it's that chance where you're bumping that one up because you know, people are for more habitat, uh, people in Africa getting more push meat or looking for other sources of, of food, and now they're exposing themselves more frequently and you're flipping a coin, and it's the same odds after you flip the coin, and like, you know, sooner or later someone wins that billion dollar uh, uh, Powerball, you flip the coin, and you know, mother nature's kitchen's been open for seven billion China years, and there's always something new on the menu every day. You know, okay. it's, it's,
5: Well, look at migratory birds, you know, uh, viruses have passed from birds to humans and and other animals fairly frequently, and so many birds migrate enormous distances, you know. It seems
2: like about every 10 years or so, the press gets all excited about, there's this new bird (laughs) flu, and this was one of the other things that pissed me off when I got to writing the books, was oh, there's gonna be this wonderful plague, it's (laughs) gonna affect everybody, it's gonna kill all of us, and we get to write about it and report on it, isn't that wonderful?
3: (laughs) And that just pissed me off sometimes.
6: (laughs) (laughs) When, When they were studying bird flu in China, they actually developed a strain that was much, much more contagious and to humans, and that research was shut down. But that's the At danger. The say, <laughs> <or something>. <laughs> 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 the viruses is the danger. I think
1: that's the worst one. is somebody who comes up with a virus that can attach to the cellular protein is undetectable. Like you said, we travel all over the world, and then the next thing you know, everybody's traveling, and you're so behind the game.
2: Yeah, yeah used it yeah, I think, I think that's, that's the scary part. Yeah, and that's unfortunately for us, that's always been the case, yeah. and probably always will be the case. So that's right. How quickly can you respond before things get really out of hand? Is yeah. This is like a weird
4: question, but. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Not a weird <laughs> like, question. At, at this convention, it would be a weird question. <laughs> Come on. Um, do we think that it's it's better that 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 research was shut down or would it be better if some things were just let out and people develop immunity and
3: Mm. (laughs) population you're going to kill but
4: eventually like we're we're going to adapt
6: oh you mean like Fewer uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Kind of, of Well,
4: the majority of
1: the research that is done is done with chemical, wear- is biological warfare. Unfortunately, there's countries that have not adhered to uh, the Accords, mm-hmm. so you don't know what's being released. You don't know what kind of genetic work they've done where you can't stop it. That's the danger. When,
6: when Russia was weaponizing smallpox, yeah, thank you. they were using the hemophagic form, mm-hmm. and they were testing it on an island, and seven kilometers away the ship went by, and then it docked, Oops. and they were able to catch it in time, but it was very close that it nearly got away from yeah. them. That's, yeah. that's when they stopped doing all the research, but they never destroyed their stockpiles. Exactly. Did this is research at all find good doing all this? It leaves yourself wide open for that
3: one chance. It's going to get loose, mm-hmm. and you're going to wipe out a population. Mm-hmm. And that is an inherent danger of it: is that once it starts, we are not going to be able to stop it. Right. Yeah. Bio are
8: crappy weapons for war um, because they're not infect once. Right. You create a virus that infected only once, then you've got a good weapon. But right. like you said, once it it's it's, where people go, the virus goes. There's an Mm -hmm. island,
5: it's in the UK, and I want to say it's off Scotland, but I might be wrong, where um, they had an outbreak of mad cow disease, and so the whole island has become infected with the prions that cause it, Mm -hmm. and it is—you cannot visit it. They had—everybody that lived there had to be—once they have quarantined them and they knew they weren't infected, were evacuated, and the British government just—it's a no-go zone, and it it never—probably will
4: never be able to be cleaned. I'm just wondering why we assume that it would wipe out the entire—I mean, that that seems like a big jump. Like This is a a weird thing again, but apparently there is a group in Norway— that is genetically immune to AIDS. Now, how they discovered that is like, who knows? But you know, I mean, it's kind of a kind of gross because you can think about it as eugenics, right? Like, you know, let's kind of clean up the species, and we'll just here's the but thing though. I don't know how we know that something would wipe out the population.
5: Are you willing to take the chance that you're yeah. the one that's going to die? That your kid sure. is the one that's going to die?
4: You you're okay with killing
5: your kid? yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's why people don't do it—is just because your. I mean, the Black Death was what thirty percent of the yeah. population was. Born. almost oh, a yeah. third. Mean, um, yeah, yeah. Look at what happened in this country mm. after the 1490s. You know, many populations of Native Americans were completely wiped out by disease without ever having seen a white man. Because it it spread that quickly and was that deadly, it just um, you know there's pretty good evidence that eighty percent, eighty percent of the population Native Americans in North and South America were wiped out after 1490 because of smallpox. Well, the thing is, I mean, they did give us tuberculosis, but not the same.
6: Um, in the specific 80
2: percentile or something like
9: yeah. that. Well, I have a question that's different from the whole virus thing, kind of more on the zombie uh, theme. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of sort of vaguely related really, in terms of mutations, but, uh, so the, the whole zombie thing kind of started off with kind of like this kind of classic image of a zombie, you know, slow moving, mm-hmm. eats brains, and then it keeps evolving, then you get sprinter zombies, and this is like saying, <laughs> like uh, swooning zombies mm-hmm. or something. How, uh, where do you think this is going in terms of the, uh, you know, literally? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it go anywhere. Yeah,
0: why don't, why not just uh, embed chloroplasts in zombie arms so they can be photosynthesizing?
8: and their energy? <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> hybrid okay. yeah. uh, stuff. So leave know, our brains
0: alone. At least temporarily. We, yeah. Have yeah. Yeah. we, yeah. Yeah. we yeah.
5: haven't touched on fungus much, but what they're finding is that, Funguses will often, they're so prevalent underground that there are trees that, like this tree doesn't get enough light and this tree does and there's a fungus that grows between them that will then supply this tree with the energy it needs until it can grow big enough to get the light. And that um, I've seen that there's a wonderful book called Entangled that kind of looks at that and in some ways... All of the plants on North America can be considered one superorganism. Mm-hmm. You know, there's we have we know so little about fungus and what it can do yes. and how it works that that's really fun well, to do the research example, on. In
0: Canada, it's like a, a multi. You know, the, the uh, Portuguese man uh, uh, yeah, yeah, of war is a comprised of several working together. So mm-hmm. fungus
5: is the new that's virus <laughs> yeah I mean it's going to be the thing that honestly if anything Ooh, takes out humanity besides zombie. humanity Maybe they're all specialized yeah, yeah. they're it different things you know <laughs> that would
3: be, cool. That'd be cool. cool there you go isn't, isn't that the one thing to work it's possible but um, yeah that uh, brings it a lot it comes in what is what hmm. is um ramification zombie bird um, mm-hmm. is it going to be you know diametrically opposite suddenly instead of becoming this mindless killing machine you become super intelligent you mean you mm-hmm. assimilate it into the board platform? <laughs> 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 thank you you may like wait actually i was thinking of d6
1: 9 with the symbiotic relationship i forgot what species it is <coughs>
3: the drill yeah
1: the drill i mean We don't. We actually don't know. I mean, a lot. I think it's just the fear. um, It goes back to biblical times with the plague and everything. That we're going to turn into zombies. I think it's also the fear of we've always buried our dead. The fact that we can walk around and not have a brain, not have control of ourselves. Fear, you know, drives that fear. But there's nothing to say that we don't encounter a virus. Or a bacterial organism that, like I said, does the opposite, gives us superpowers. We've just always been killed off by anything that has been a virus.
3: Or um, there was a series, of, um, an illustrated series about uh, okay. with a entity from outer space coming down to conquer the world. Okay, and they. Find a way to give everybody superpowers. They don't know what the effect is going to be, Mm -hmm. and the main effect is you will be able to be, you know, super fast, super strong, fly, whatever, but only for one year, and then you will die horribly. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, your body body will explode. (laughs) It depends on what superpowers you get. this this series is called Strike Force Moratorium. Um, And it actually uh, carries a lot of these zombie (laughs) tropes because these people are effectively the infected. They have done it to themselves voluntarily, um, knowing full well that they're putting themselves into any time within six months to a year, I am going to blow up. And...
7: So, immediately my mind goes to the fact that because humans suck, uh, in general, um, that all of a sudden they know they're going to die in a year and there's no reason for them to be nice anymore. There is that too. So that anything that was holding them back, which apparently for a lot of people still without superpowers, they still don't have to be nice, would mean they would just cause havoc on this planet, it would be a good way to get rid of about 80% of humans. I think we talked about that in the TV series called The Boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, you're right. But this would be more. more. <laughs> what was the name
4: of the series that you mentioned
3: again? Strike Force Moratorium. Strike Force Moratorium, thank you.
4: Sorry. You.
2: Um, yeah. All right, well we're getting close to time, so uh, Final thoughts. I've got a question for Ross. Oh, yes. Uh, At
1: the very beginning, you mentioned a
6: trilogy. Would you uh, name that
1: again?
2: My trilogy is The Eternity Plague. Mm
6: -hmm.
2: And that's also the name of the first book. second book is Chrysalis, Mm -hmm. which is a hint of what happens in the second book with Mm -hmm. just about the entire population. And then the third book is Wild Spread. And they're available in the the dealer's area. Thank you. Most of the books. And they're also available on names and as Thank you. So, Bruce, final comments?
3: Uh, I think I've said, uh, I think I've said enough. <laughs> 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 um, you know, uh, in, from the literary side, of point, it's going to be really interesting to see where we're going to take this trope to the next level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you
7: know,
3: oh.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. The concept of being able to reanimate the dead is, i think still a ways off. We thought that way about artificial intelligence yeah. twenty years ago. And yeah. Now it's like the asymptotic curve. <clears throat> so I, I, I don't think anything is. The so maybe there will. Maybe there'll be a zombie president in my lifetime. Oh, that's <laughs> 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 <laughs>
5: You know? Well, I think that the <laughs> literature aspect of it is wide open. There's so many different things. We didn't even touch enemies. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. uh, I don't know. It's fascinating. It's fun. I hope I don't want to see it. Yeah, <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, anything that scares us is the sort of thing that we can write stories about sure. forever mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> things we can't control are the things that are a little scary mm-hmm. to us so uh yeah. those are your writers yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: thank you for listening to the creative play and podcast network If you enjoyed our show, please check out D&D Journey of the 5th Edition and Ragnarok and Roll a Scion Hero to Ragnarok Story. Also, check out our Patreon page for more content and behind-the-scenes things, as well as joining us for a one-shot game or two.